Hey guys, how's it going? So, uh, interview this week is with Sean McAuliffe, owner of Spacing and author of the book Toronto on the Verge of Greatness. Uh, it's a bit of a long interview, and I'll talk about that in a while, but I suggest you listen to all of it. Okay, so what's going on? Well, today's the Buns Flea, so if you guys are coming out, find me and say hello. Uh, if you don't know what I look like, uh, I'm not sure what to tell you. Other than that, it's really just time for This Week in Buns. Okay, welcome to This Week in Buns. How's it going, guys? My name is Koji. And I'm Callie B. And welcome to This Week in Buns yet again. Okay, so what happened this week? I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have a lot, but I feel like you've got some stuff to talk about. So I, I'll let you go first. like, sneaky have so many. I always think that I don't have that many, and I'm like, I have nothing to talk about. And then, surprise, I have, like, 20 different things. Um, first of all, though, we managed to find the Grib post. I don't know why. I couldn't search for it. I couldn't search the name. Nothing was coming up. Only one Gribs-related post was happening uh, when I used the search on Training Zone last week. I don't know why I couldn't find it, because it is definitely still here, and it's definitely still hilarious, and people were yeah. even still commenting on it, <laughs> like, very recently. Um... So we will actually have the link to that in this week's show notes uh, in case you missed the majesty that were all of the grib, get a grib puns, um, just in case you didn't listen last week or and you missed the gribs post. It was literally just a, when people leave Facebook groups and they're like, this group sucked. You guys all suck. I'm leaving. Bye. Uh, it was one of those. Uh, it was a hair flip post. That literally just says, I'm leaving this group because a lot of you in here need to get a GRIB, in all caps. Uh, stop being so fucking sensitive. And clearly it was some weird mix-up between the B and the P, because it should say get a grip. But it ended up just being an entire thread of puns and memes. Um, there's like 800 comments on this now. <laughs> and yeah, they're it's, all amazing. It's pretty incredible. We did talk about it last week but we did not have the link to it which we do now so yeah so i won't go into too much detail but um i honestly like i know it's i know there are a lot but i highly recommend if you have a minute with like a coffee or a tea uh to like quite literally read every single comment on this (laughs) because they're great like i just load them all and start at the beginning um because it's actually pretty hilarious totally and that ties into the second uh post of this week in which jason asked in the helping zone uh he said i need to know the best hangover breakfast and he made it a poll um so you can actually if you haven't voted yet you can head over there and you can just click a box and it tells you how many people have voted for the thing. And you can even add an option at the bottom if your favorite hangover breakfast is not on the list yet. Um, current first place with 73 votes is Gribs. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Second, what, Spicy Caesars. 15. What else could you possibly ask for? Um, yeah, Gribs and a Spicy Caesar sound like a perfect hangover breakfast. I'm into it. I'm into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, I don't really, I feel like I, I have a grip, but what I what I don't have is, uh, 
OC DVDs. And Brianna is desperately ISO the OC DVDs. Please help me relive my youth, offering beer, wine, or a mixtape featuring Modest Mouse and Imogen Heap. Amazing. Um, Um, Someone was trading these like a couple weeks ago. We covered it on the podcast. I talked about my friend's... Was Maybe it the OC? Contact with it. Yeah, it was the OC, and I talked about my friend Brian. He has a podcast where they literally are re-watching the OC and commenting on every ep- on every episode. So each episode of the podcast directly is an, also an episode of the show. So if you're re-watching it... Oh, amazing. See, I, I actually wanted to do that with one of the with one of the people that works at Buns because I got this whole thing that uh, I feel like the OC... Uh, explains a lot of why people are the way they are today. And I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I feel like it's responsible for a lot of things. And it only w- it only had three seasons. So I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the OC. Brianna, I hope you find those DVDs. Yeah, and if you actually get them, uh, my friend's podcast is called We Used to Be Teens, and you can literally listen to it while you... She's hilarious, um, and you can you can do both at the same time. Really get your fill of the OC. Amazing. Um, you know, speaking of uh, teen TV show slightly related nostalgia posts, did you Ooh. see somebody is trading, uh, like quite literally hundreds of Archie comics um, and how this ties into teen TV is that there is now a TV show based Riverdale. on Riverdale called Riverdale yeah which I watched the first episode of yesterday um, and and I'm into it because are you uh, yeah <laughs> I mean I only saw the first episode um, but I also love terrible trashy TV for teenagers so I mean I do too <laughs> I have not seen I have not yet seen uh Riverdale, so maybe I should check oh, it out. Oh, yeah, there's a little, like, mystery happening. There's, uh... The only thing I don't really like is, uh, spoiler alert, they've made Mrs. Grundy, who, in the comics, if you've read it, is, like, an old lady. She's super old. She has white hair. She's, like, your classic, like, teacher stereotype. They made her a young, hot teacher in the show. And there's like a weird, this is not much of a spoiler because it's literally the first episode. There's like a weird like love interest with Archie storyline happening, which I disapprove of. It's very inappropriate. But other than that, I enjoyed it. Anyway, if you want to get your hands on some like genuine, there's literally hundreds. Like it's a picture and there's so many. Um, or if you're a weirdo like my boyfriend and grew up grew up not reading Archie comics, he was like, what? He had no idea what I was talking about. Or like he knew what they were, but he never like, he doesn't know who any of the characters are or anything. So if you for right. some reason missed out on this pivotal uh, childhood touchstone comic series, uh, get into Benji's posts, slide into his DMs, because he, like there is so many. There are a ton of comments on this, so the, a bunch might be gone, but... I think he keeps finding them because um, it even says found some more Archies to part ways with. There's a hundred plus all in pretty solid condition um, and they're willing to break them into smaller lots if you only want like a few. There you go. And then uh, read up and start watching Riverdale. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So speaking of watching things, this is a show that I used to watch a lot. Uh, Lisa 
posted a medium-sized Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles jacket worn once nice. for a $20 gift card. It looks like a like a high school letterman's jacket, but it, uh, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and has a picture of a shell on the back. Um, I posted my buddy Daryl in it because I know that he would have loved it, but uh, I'm sure it was long gone by the time by the time I posted. But there was uh, a lot of commotion. I guess the nostalgia is strong. In oh, those. yeah. So strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love those posts because um, often you can't find that stuff anymore. And it's like just hiding in someone's mom's storage room. <laughs> so. Yeah, or, or it's Michael Bay related, which is not great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I don't know if you saw them, but there were a couple of people who are working on uh, projects and are asking for buns to participate and mm. uh, kind of collaborate, get into their project with them. So one is Nadia in the main trading zone is doing a paper for her fourth year class about drugs and creativity and is wondering if anybody have pictures drawn or like a photo that they've taken. <clears throat> uh, paintings, lyrics, or anything of the like that were done under the influence of anything. Uh, so they can compare the types of creativity and drug impact. If you do and you don't mind them being included in their paper, you can go to this post and PM and send photos of your artwork. Um, tell her what you, what like drugs you were using while you made the art and mm -hmm. then they're gonna like analyze them and use them in the paper so if anybody i'm positive there's a lot of people who could contribute to this <laughs> which is why i wanted to not a lot of people commented on this but i know that there's got to be some really cool creative buns who have some like awesome art that they've done that they could use to help this girl out um and then there was also one that is pretty cool and um is going to be going for like theoretically ever so even though there are already a ton of comments on this uh you can still pm her uh so paola is iso anyone who likes to talk and also to tag anyone who might be interested uh for the longest time they've been thinking of a project they wanted to do that time has finally come uh it's going to be a blog that covers all of the faces and voices of toronto and she even says i don't care if it takes a lifetime to get done so what they're asking is for your time and company uh, you can meet at a cafe in your neighborhood. She'd like to meet you in person, take a photo of you, not a portrait, um, and ask a few questions about life, or you'll just have a nice talk about you and your experiences. Coffee's on her. Um, you can email her. <clears throat> uh, the email is paola, P-A-O-L-A dot H-A-G-H-I at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to do the project, I'm sure you could also PM her on Facebook through this post. Um, so yeah, like she's there's no limit to how many stories they want to gather. Uh, so it kind of seems like a little bit of a Humans of Toronto sort of project, um, and cool. it's never ending. So even if you didn't see this post right away, get on it if you want to be part of the project. This so even has a, oh sorry, <laughs> I was just gonna say because I'd scrolled down to the bottom and it even has like an update in the comments that she's on her way to her first meetup um, on March thirteenth uh, and just finished transcribing the first interview. So oh cool yeah, so it's I'm already underway. I wouldn't mind seeing the uh, or hearing the final product. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, so this is sort of not a project, but this is somebody looking for other people to uh, be a, be a part of something. Hannah posted in the main trading zone, ISO fems who want to trade platonic nudes to build self love. Oh, I saw this post. <laughs> now, at, at first, I was like, oh, you know, weird. Is that a thing that that people do? It is. But it. Well, that's what I was about to say. It turns out <laughs> it, it is 100% a thing that, that people like to do, and a lot of people are into it. So um, I would say that if uh, this is your thing, fucking get on it. Now, I would also say that if it's not your thing, perhaps you don't need to comment on the post. <laughs> you know, because there's, there's some detractors, and but like, who cares? Perhaps you, you know, could like, just scroll on by and let people do what they want. Right. <laughs> right. What's the big deal? I mean, so, I think it's kind of cool. I know a lot of people who find selfies really empowering, uh, especially people. I mean, everyone is a little bit self-conscious. And I think that some about, I don't know, selfies and an artful nude. And like, it's kind of cool to like, uh, it's, it's nice. I think people like doing that and being able to like, platonically share like more intimate photos and right. compliment each other and even like maybe even give feedback on like composition and lighting or you know whatever <clears throat> and kind of just like build up each other's self-esteem I think that's a really like nice thing also you're probably less likely to have somebody like leak your nudes on the internet if it's like a friend <laughs> you know or you know so. yeah and especially if it's like platonic so I thought that was kind of cool. So here's another one that's kind of related, though. Speaking okay. of scrolling on by. Shammy uh, posts, Hey, guys, I saw something recently that I'd like your opinion on. A lady I can only assume is Caucasian was ISO, a henna artist, uh, and people came down on her hard about cultural appropriation. As a woman of South Asian background, I love the fact that she wanted it and gave her a contact. Yet her post was taken down after some terrible comments. She was in no way trying to make fun of or being demeaning. Uh, in fact, she had to state that multiple times. Oh, she had to state that, excuse me, multiple times to the commenters. This is supposed to be a safe space. Is it not a little over the top? So, I mean, I, I don't know. We probably don't have time to debate all the ins and outs of cultural appropriation. Yeah. But I feel... <laughs> I feel like uh, sometimes the Buns community can come down a little bit too hard on on some people. And, you know, if you want to, I mean, if you think it's wrong, you know, maybe speak to them and explain to them why you think that it's wrong. But to immediately attack somebody, I think, is probably not the right way to go about it. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that saying it's not my job to educate others. But I think, yes, it is. You know, as much as it, you don't want to waste the energy or it may not be worth it. If you want the world to be a better place, then yes, it is your job to kind of educate. And I also think that some things that some people view as cultural appropriation may or may not be. Like, I mean, I've gone to anime conventions in the city and I will tell you that the majority of the people at these conventions are not Asian. Is that cultural appropriation? I, I don't mean, think so. It's also totally different because Hannah has like a pretty like religious and like cultural well okay history. but I'm, i think it depends on the thing but it's not it's not like animation in japan doesn't have a history either 
I, the, the the idea is that like it's okay for some people to enjoy some things and not others. I think it's a little bit ridiculous. But if you disagree, I would say that you need to explain it to the person, uh, and and educate them. And that's all I'm gonna say about it. Or at the very least, um, I I personally I understand um, when people, especially um, like uh, like when people are don't have the emotional energy to deal with those posts they happen all the time every single day on like multiple Facebook groups that I'm on it's not just buns um so if someone doesn't have the energy the emotional energy to educate someone I don't think you're obligated to and I don't believe in tone policing either and I believe very firmly in the fact that the internet exists and people can literally google cultural appropriation for themselves um but if you like all I was gonna say is that if you don't have the emotional energy to do it, you could always like find some links and post it so that the person can like educate themselves if you don't sure. have to do so. Yeah, right. I mean, that can be easier I, at least point them in the right direction. But if you don't have the all the energy to to uh, inform them, I don't think that you should then have the energy to fucking like go after them, right? <laughs> because I that I just can't see that as being helpful. In the situation, I don't. I don't think that. I mean, it's I think not. That, a lot of people have justifiable anger, but it's not. It's. I mean, it's certainly not helpful. That's not the word that I would use to describe it. Um, but yeah, I think that. Um, I think everyone. That, like, it, it's also nice. I think, um, even though it does take a little bit of energy to like Google like the appropriate links um, and send them the links, even if you don't have the energy to like explain it <clears throat> or help out in that way. Um, but at the very least, then at least you know you're sending them uh, to a link on the internet that is relevant because you can Google something and find like really bad, terrible, wrong answers. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean, people people are assholes. As long as you explain to them why they're an asshole, then I I have no problem with it. Sure. But anyway, let, let's let's move on to something a little bit more fun. Sure. Um, I have a good one. There was a nice story um, on the Trading Zone about a, a badass girl. Um, I don't know if you oh, saw Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. I was about to talk about that. Oh, really? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, I was just going to read this because it's amazing. Um, <clears throat> Joshua was ISO the badass girl from his story to salute her. Uh, story time. As I'm leaving the LCBO Liberty Village, uh, I noticed a big man run by. To my surprise, he rips a purse off of a girl and then continues to run. My immediate reaction was to run after him, uh, but instead, the young lady looks back at me and screams, watch my bag, and drops her backpack. I think it's really cute that she just, like, trusted... She just had her bag stolen, but then she trusted Joshua to watch her bag. So she's like, watch my bag, and drops her backpack. And it says she's basically the roadrunner from Looney Tunes and quickly catches the guy, swipes his back foot, and makes him fall on his face. Then she landed her knee into his spine and pulled his arm behind his back. Bystanders called 911 and the cops showed up. Girl power. <laughs> Some pretty amazing comments on this post. This is amazing. I wish that I was this person. Like, I wish I... I don't think I could... I don't know what... I don't think I would do that if that happened to me, but that's so badass. Somebody said... Buffy does exist, and that's <laughs> so perfect. Because like, I just picture it as a scene from a movie, totally. like something, some shit goes down. This is like when the superhero first first realizes they have powers. Yeah, yeah. Just like drops the bag on the ground, just like watch my bag, runs real fast, swipes the leg, fucking 
holds the guy down, gets the bag back. Oh my god. I I want cell phone video of this whatever of this thing. Same, same. Like she's my personal hero. Did you see the picture of Wonder Woman with the uh, caption underneath "Watch my bag"? <laughs> no, is that in the comments? I yeah, yeah, it, it is. There are a lot of comments. Oh yeah, I didn't. There's like three. There's only, I mean, there's like 238 comments. So I did. I missed that. But I'll I'll click through. I'll scroll through and see if I can find it. Oh yeah, there. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> this is great. I love people are memeing her now. Did anyone ever figure out who she is? Because I no, not yet. Haven't watched. Not yet. Um, read all the comments well that's still really cool good for her i don't think i could do it but i wish i could so i uh there's a post in the trading zone from lauren who uh i kind of want to take this her lead so i can get into the same shape as the watch my bag girl because uh i need some exercise and there's no way that i could outrun a thief and get a bag back (laughs) But maybe Lauren, with some help, uh, will. Because she has ISO, ISO healthy treats in exchange for indulgent treats. Mm. She's got a bunch of cinnamon buns. Um, a four-pack of cinnamon. Delicious, gooey cinnamon buns. Um, and uh, wants healthy treats in return. Uh, fresh produce, canned goods will be donated to one of Bun's nonprofit partners. Oh, interesting. So there's a little bit more to the story. Um, I guess they're just trying to do like a little food drive type situation. Yeah. Um, So if you want to support that. Yeah. Oh, tell me. I'm hungry. Uh, Sometimes the best posts are the like one sentence posts. In Helping Zone, Anna has a question. Serious question. Has anyone discovered a way to stop eating brie cheese when it's in front of you? I can't stop. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel your pain. There are a lot of people who feel her pain in the comments. <laughs> Everyone's like, no. <laughs> um, pretty pretty short and sweet, but I have a I do have a cheese addiction. I'll tell you right now that it is a problem, and that's why I can't have any cheese in the house because otherwise, uh, I can't stop myself. Yeah, there's literally somebody posted, Debbie posted in the comments a link to an Amazon book called The Cheese Trap, How Breaking a Surprising Addiction. <laughs> it's like how to break your cheese addiction. That's amazing. So maybe hit up Amazon if you feel like you need that. Um, so. Wait. Oh, yeah. Did you yeah. see this, like, torture chair? I did. This, like, weird electric chair, fake electric tortured i don't know what's happening with this thing it's crazy the one on the street yeah lolly who's an a plus human and bun uh posted a super weird seat contraption with straps and a helmet at queen and lisgar curb alert and then photos of it it kind of looks like like it has arm straps to like hold you down it looks like an electric chair because it has like a like a metal thing uh like for your head uh and like a like a cord going from the metal thing to the chair but like i don't know somebody used this for like a horror movie that they're done like filming and just like put it on the side of the road but people are like tagging their friends being like seems like something you would like and it could be a nice conversation piece for your new apartment (laughs) 
I feel like it would be a perfect prop for an escape room or something. Yeah. Oh, there's so many escape rooms in Toronto. Hopefully yeah. one of them scooped it up. That thing is super creeps. Uh, yeah, super, super creeps. So the last one that I've got is a, a post from Lolly, who uh, it has a t-shirt and she never wears it, but loves it and feels like it should be worn. It is a shirt that features the many faces of Robin Williams F- from every era, from like young stand-up Robin Williams to uh, Bicentennial Man Robin Williams to Mrs. Doubtfire to uh, what's the one? Patch Adams. Oh, God. Yeah. Robin Williams. And it is, it, I mean, like, it's pretty ostentatious, but uh, also pretty sweet. I know a lot of people who'd be, who'd be totally into this. So, uh, if Robin Williams is your thing, hit up Lolly's post. Man, Lolly is killing it this week. Those were both her. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you saw, uh, someone named Kayla has moved to BC um, and wants to see if anybody would be interested in doing some cross-country trades, which I thought was kind of a cute idea. Um, she was like, I miss the Toronto tradesies. Uh, we can mail each other uh, stuff to trade. And she's like, I saw a trade that happened from Toronto to Vancouver, and it inspired me. Um, I know there's a Vancouver Buns, and I actually commented that on here, but I think uh, the idea of cross-country trades are pretty cool. So if you guys want to do a cross-country trade with Kayla, hit up her post, because um, she is actively looking for people. Um, I don't know if you saw the... It's kind of, so it's on Buns now. I think it originated outside of Buns. Um, Somebody posted it in the helping zone that uh, originally um, someone named Allie posted, I think even just on their own Facebook. Um, And it's a picture of them squatting next to a man uh, who's, I believe, living on the street, but I could be wrong. Um, But they're looking for his family. in Ontario so the post says honestly this is such a long shot Um, but uh, this is Alan Henry he's currently 62 and they bumped into him at Metro Town today he is currently looking for his daughter who's 42 with the name Melissa Jade Smith Um, it also says her name probably changed because he told her she was married and has a 21 year old daughter who loves racing motorcycles so she might have a different last name Um, Mm -hmm. He also lost his legal papers, so he has not a lot of info on her, but he's looking for his daughter who lives in Ontario. So if anyone can help this man find his family or spread the word, um, there is, they just really want to, oh, he is homeless. So she's just trying to help this guy find his family in Ontario. So somebody saw this post um, and shared it in the helping zone. Uh, so there are a lot of bumps and, uh, comments on it. Uh, so they're looking for Melissa Jade Smith. If you know this person, um, she lives somewhere in Ontario. We're not even sure exactly where. Um, I think it would be, how nice would it be if Buns could, like, help? There's so many people in Buns. It would be so nice if Buns could help this person find their daughter. So head over to this post. Um, if you know anybody named Melissa Jade Smith, let them know that their dad is looking for them. Bun sleuths, yeah. get on it. Yeah, and his name is Alan Henry. So if you know anyone named Melissa Jade Smith, you could always be like, hey, is your dad's name Alan Henry? If so, I saw a Facebook post. 
uh, he wants to get in touch with you. Um, so that would be great. If we could make that happen, that would be like kind of an amazing Buns miracle, I think. Um, and speaking of Buns miracles, unless you have... No, I'm, I'm, I'm clean out of miracles. Okay. So um, I have two cat posts. One is super short and the other one is the best thing that happened on Buns this week. Um, to well, I'm so curious. So the first really cute one um, was just an update from someone who got one of her two cats on buns. Um, they are like so in love now. <laughs> she says that they are literally never apart and they wait for each other outside the litter box, which is like disgustingly adorable. <laughs> um, okay. She even says, "I only give if I only give one of them treats, they'll bring one over to the other to like share. Like what cat does that? They usually just eat them all. Um, so their story is that uh, she has a tuxedo kitty named Grimes um, that she originally got as a companion cat for an older kitty named Thea who passed away. And Grimes was really sad when Thea passed away. So she got Bully, which is a beige tabby from Buns, and mm -hmm. brought him home. And when you first get cats and you're introducing them to each other, you're supposed to keep them separate for a while because they can be territorial. But apparently, even the first night that she brought this Buns cat home, um, they like slept on either side of the door with their paws under the door to like hold each other's hands. <laughs> Whoa, weird. So cute. She was like, and then that morning, Bully managed to get out of my room and they've been so in love ever since. And it's like a really adorable photo of Grimes licking Bully's head and it's just like super cute. So they have an Instagram. Um, if you want to follow these Buns cats, it's um, at Grimes, G-R-I-M-E-S and Bully, B-U-L-L-Y and they're adorable and they're super in love. Um, so I love that. Yeah. It's, I just thought that was really heartwarming. Um, and speaking of heartwarming buns miracles, the best thing that happened on buns this week, I can't believe you missed this. So this spanned like multiple posts, um, both on buns helping and mostly pet zone. So originally, um, somebody had found on Kijiji an ad for a free cat. Um, it says, uh, it literally just says, free cat, I can't afford her anymore, I don't have the money for food or litter, I need somebody to pick her up ASAP, I have put her in the hallway of my building to see if anyone wants her. Should oh, wait, she okay. sell me in the hallway while someone replies to my ad, I will give her to you. I've, I did, okay, you that's did a lie, this. I did see this <laughs> post, but like, as soon as I started reading like the outrage, I was like, oh no, what's going to happen here, so tell me more. Yeah, so amazing things happened here. So that was the original Kijiji post. Um, a bunch of buns, and this, um, I missed the original uh, post of it in Buns Pet Zone, which got deleted because there was sensitive information, like the person's address was on it, because somebody responded to the ad, a bun responded to the ad, and got the address and was like, I like, like was gonna go get the cat, and somebody, so somebody had posted this person's address, and the admins, um, for good reason, because like a group of like a bajillion people having someone's address who they're mad at because they're they can't afford their cat is like not great for that person. Um, so right. that post is gone. Um, but uh, there are ones since then. Um, and what ended up happening is. Uh, so Laura had posted it, um, it was a team effort to go get the cat. So somebody drove there 
Um, but the person driving was not able to keep the cat. So their new cat mom, Taylor, and cat dad, Adam, went with them and they rescued the cat. Um, someone named Constanza really helped orchestrate everything behind the scenes um, and like, like organized the whole thing. Uh, so if you go to this post, this one is still up in Bun's Pet Zone, but you can kind of watch the entire thing unfold because <clears throat> they're in the middle of like they're talking about picking each other up. They all went there together. They picked up the kitty. Um, they ended up posting update shots of the cat carrier with the free cat sign on the side and an adorable picture of the cat who was safe. And it was like it was a whole thing like it happened like over the span of a few hours at night and everyone was like very invested in this post um while Amazing. they were rescuing this cat so this cat is now safe and sound and living with her amazing new buns family taylor and adam and there is uh, another post um where they were asking to help name the hallway kitty so taylor had posted hallway kitty needs a name uh she is a girl and he here is a pic of her if you missed it and then everyone is suggesting um cat names like literally people is like um people is like posting how to say hallway in different languages uh oh i love that somebody said to name her annie because of annie hall uh, so oh, that's great. Like, oh, call her Kijiji. <laughs> and like, people are like, like naming her all sorts of things to have to do with. Someone actually said name her Cora Door, like Corridor. Um, nice. Which I thought was pretty clever too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have any cute names for this adorable cat that Buns uh, orchestrated the saving of, um, head over to this post. There's not an update yet, so I don't know. I would imagine they've picked a name by now. But there is I love that. Post. So maybe I'll comment and ask them for a specific update, and we can get you uh, this cat's name. Also, I request an Instagram of the Buns Hallway cat, because I want to follow the shit out of her. She is so cute. She's got a very cute little cat face. So that was that was my favorite thing that happened on Buns this week. Uh, yeah, heartwarming, for sure. And especially for something that started out not all, even on buns, just like on Kijiji, so. Right, yeah, it's yeah. kind of nice to watch the community come together, save the kitty. Yeah, way to go, guys. I uh, I appreciate that, those sorts of things. I'm a huge animal lover. I actually used to have a cat um, when I was a kid named Neko, which is Aww. Japanese for, yeah, for yeah. cat. Neko, it's in me. So, yeah. Anyway, um... Yeah. Anything else for us before uh, we say goodbye? Yeah, I'm pretty devastated to be missing the Buns Flea, which is apparently on Tuesday, you said? Oh, yeah. Um, Ho is it on... T wait, hold on. I gotta. I just got to recheck my dates here because it's in my calendar. Wait, but anyways, you can go on and talk it, about it. Events. It is Tuesday at 1900 hours, March 21st at the Gladstone Hotel. Um, That's because cool. I have a post uh, where Kara was looking for vendors... Um, in the following categories of vintage housewares, food, desserts, plants, florist, and services. Um, by the time you hear this podcast, <laughs> this event will be happening. So it's probably too late for you to be a vendor this time. But I'm sure you could still contact them at bunsfleeto at gmail.com because they keep doing these. So there will be more in the future. 
Absolutely. And there's talk about doing one in the East End as well. Oh, so cool. you can definitely get in on that. Uh, and if you hear this on Tuesday, come. Yeah, come yeah. to the Buns Flea because I will be there for a while wandering around. Uh, so, you know, come find me, say hello, tell oh, me, uh, yeah, you should take your, uh, take a microphone and just like interview people about what they're trading. I for. should like, do that. There. That would be pretty cool. Like a live, you can like see what people brought to trade and see what they're like at their tables. And if anyone like got some good stuff, I think next time I'm going to talk to them about seeing if I can get a table Ooh, that'd be cool. there myself. Yeah. And then just people can just sit down and do like a speaker's corner type deal that'd be super rad if anyone if people do if you do end up doing that you should take some pictures of the uh trades that happened and then we can post them on the podcast so absolutely also come uh check out a good friend of mine and former and hopefully future podcast guest vanessa is doing some tarot readings at the buns flea cool so uh yeah come get your your tarot read and uh Say hi to uh, say hi to me because uh, I want to see more of your beautiful faces. That's awesome. I think there's even live music and stuff, so that's pretty rad. Yeah, sweet. Anyway, guys, until next week. Keep on buzzing. Peace. Bye. Too much shit in your apartment? Get rid of it today on the Buns app. Available in the App Store, Google Play Store, or online at buns.com. All right. So, like I said at the top of the show, the interview is with Sean McAuliffe, author of the book, Toronto and the Verge of Greatness. I strongly suggest that you all check it out and read it. It's uh, pretty interesting. Gives you a glimpse into city politics and what's good and what's bad about the city, sort of. And kind of the things we need to be wary of if we want to be center stage, you know, kind of in the world. And uh, a lot of talk about Rob Ford. Uh, we kind of get into that and uh, talk about Toronto in general. Really interesting guy. Uh, long interview, but I'm not really going to cut it down because uh, I loved our entire discussion and I hope that you guys like it too. So, I'm going to take you, you home tonight. The car's outside, whispering rain. Tied through the puddle, on my way. River's in the gutter, but it's all the same. I'm watching, yeah. Gonna hold on to my heart, give you my love, take all of me. You're my everything. If you just let me be. Hey, Buns. I'm here with Sean McAuliffe, uh, author of Frontier City, Toronto on the Verge of Greatness. Also, co owner of Spacing, which happens to be right across the street from the Buns office. Uh, writer for the Toronto Star and Teacher at U of T, pro- professor at U of T, uh, instructor, instructor yeah. at U of T. Okay, great. So I don't even know where to get started. Before we we jump into the book, it seems like a lot of your endeavors are uh, very Toronto centric, very city centric. Uh, where did your love for Toronto spring from? I think it came from growing up in Windsor. 
Ontario, so four hours down the road from uh, Toronto on the 401. And uh, Toronto was always the uh, the kind of Oz-like city at the end of the 401, right. well, not the middle of the 401, I guess, but from our perspective in Windsor. Um, and Windsor's right across the street, across the street, across the river from Detroit. Yeah. So we had this really intimate relationship with Detroit. Um, uh, friends, you know, cross-border dating and shopping and everything else. Right. Um, but Detroit, uh, this kind of city that we loved, was declining and decaying, um, though it's been on the upswing of late. Uh, whereas Toronto seemed like the opposite of all that. It was this great city that just seemed to be growing. And when I would drive in on the Gardner Expressway on, on various trips to see Phantom of the Opera or whatever it was in the 90s, right. um, the city kind of looked like a digital circuit board uh, yeah, down yeah. below, right? Like it's, it was moving around and there's streetcars and all this stuff. So um, coming from a smaller place, a smaller provincial town, um, uh, Toronto was the big city, right? And it was fascinating and modern and strange and uh, I think if I would have grown up here uh, I might not appreciate it uh, as much as coming from away interesting yeah I mean I have a perspective because I grew up I guess uh, I say I grew up in Toronto but essentially was North York at the time and then then became Toronto and have lived around the city my entire life and it's only until recently that I've begun to notice a, a big sort of upswing in the civic pride. Yeah. And I think that a lot of it has to do with what you talk about in your book and, uh, you know, the stuff that you sell at Spacing. Uh, so let's talk about Spacing first, because I think it, it obviously came before before the book. A lot of what uh, what's sold in there, uh, now at least anyways, is, is very uh, Toronto-oriented. Did you have trouble finding stuff to fill the store with not really because it kind of came over time uh we started the, the magazine back in 2003 and that uh evolved and, and we would have these launches launch parties yeah um and it's hard to make a magazine financially viable in canada or anywhere yeah um, so we needed something to kind of boost the uh coffers to help us pay the printer back You're right so we came up we stumbled upon this idea of uh making subway buttons yeah um you know a subway a, a specific button for every subway station they all design different so they look different we thought we'd sell a few at our events and in the last 10 years or so we've sold i think four or five hundred thousand of them wow so nuts uh it's kept the magazine afloat and yeah. so we would sell them at our events and then we started selling t-shirts and then we'd be approached by people who uh made other kind of interesting uh, crafty toronto stuff and, and we sold that right uh, then we started opening the an online store um so we cultivated this community of people where they came to us or they yeah. cultivated us um over years so we didn't have to invent it overnight and then when the store opened um there were all these people making stuff that we had a network of and it's the the, the, the store filled up pretty right. quickly and now it's kind of exploded we've got uh those toques that i see everyone wearing with uh, with all the neighborhoods and uh, all the peace collective stuff i mean we talk here i've got some stickers Toronto uh, versus everybody yeah yeah that's kind of really uh really exploded now i guess that kind of leads to the book because you you kind of open the book with the reasons why Toronto's kind of been thrust into this uh, international spotlight. And you, you kind of point to things like Drake and uh, Rob Ford as, as big, <clears throat> excuse me, as, as big reasons as to why this might be. And now a lot of people are probably thinking like, Rob Ford, that's, that's crazy. But I guess that really put us, uh, you know, with all the jokes and everything else, kind of put us really into the, into the spotlight. Why? Why do you think that uh, 
you know, Ford was a major factor in, in making Toronto what it is. Yeah, I think for I mean, a lot... kind of a loaded question. <laughs> you wrote a book about it, but... I did. Here's the first of 75,000 words uh, of that answer. Um, well, t- you People overlooked City Hall all the time. People overlooked cities. Um, I didn't go to City Hall in my ho- in Windsor, and I never went to it. I've actually right. never been in it. It was only until I, I finished school and came here uh, that I started going to City Hall, and I'm kind of, kind of embarrassed that I overlooked the city level. You yeah. know, the cities were always kind of so kind of boring, the politics there. Uh, cities took care of parking, parking lots and potholes and, and garbage collection right the drama was in higher levels and, and international uh intrigue and all that sort of thing um and whereas rob ford was like this this suddenly you had cnn and bbc and all al jazeera and everyone else at city hall toronto city hall paying attention to the city that no one really gave much uh thought to and yeah. anywhere i would travel during the rob ford years i'd mention toronto they'd say ah they, they would know whereas in years before i'd have to explain and they'd go where is that near Ottawa or whatever you know yeah. some people knew some people didn't or it was just a vague place on a map right. um, so that was kind of it thrust us into this kind of superstar level of politics the same way Drake in, in the way his, um, his his unabashed love for this place has, right. has kind of brought a superstar uh, sheen to the city that we kind of needed it's funny doing spacing and selling all kinds of you know Toronto swag for 10 or 15 years or whatever it's been um, all of that was blown out of the water by Drake just you know making the making up the six and all these other things he does which is great yeah it kind of creates all this interesting space um kind of gives people permission to love the city and it'll be interesting to see what fills in behind drake right right i Um, guess there's no such thing as bad press right i mean the whole rob four thing is kind of proof of that because you'd think that it would be a punchline but it's really it's really kind of helped us uh you know, be thrust into the forefront. Yeah, um, the people don't really, from outside, get into the nitty gritty of it. I think living here, uh, it was probably arguably not a good time right. uh, for the city. Uh, but from the outside, people just kind of see the drama of it. And uh, other, you know, great big cities around the world have had um, wild, wild politics. Uh, New York City, uh, it has this great mythology of Tammany Hall in the late 1800s. You mm-hmm. know, with the utterly corrupt um, uh, uh, government of Boss Tweed, which the gangs of New York kind of that movie Scorsese movie tips uh, gets into Um, so like New York City Chicago politics always being kind of dirty these these cities are kind of built on this um, somewhat sinister mythology so Rob Ford kind of fits into that narrative Um, (laughs) yeah absolutely well okay so let's let's go a little bit uh, deeper into the uh, into the making Toronto International you kind of warn in the initial pages of your book that the if we're not careful, there'll be some dark ages ahead. Can you uh, kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, we've kind of coasted in Toronto as as the city that you know in the in the eighties. Uh, Peter Ustinov said, you know, New York run by the Swiss, which is something Torontonians have always told themselves. It's like as great as New York, but it's clean and it, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's a kind of mythology that isn't necessarily true. And those of us who live here know that the city, like there's tension mounting in different ways, whether it's uh, gridlock uh, or, you know, the subway being too jammed, uh, but also the kind of more hidden problems uh, like uh, uh, inaffordability of the city. You know, oh, when yeah. you drive, when you, when you come in into the city, uh, it's shiny, there's cranes in the sky, you see money everywhere, but it's getting uh, to be an incredibly hard place to, to live for 
people who make fairly good incomes, you know, like average incomes, um, whatever those are. And uh, and then the, there's the poverty in the city, the abject poverty in the city that that is hidden away, often in outside of downtown, and it doesn't look like um, like a Hollywood kind of um, uh, kind of poverty or slum. You know, right. there's no there's no the, the, Toronto doesn't look like the wire. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's hidden in in apartment buildings along the sides of ravines and in cul-de-sacs and townhouses, kind of normal looking Canadian city. But yeah. so so it really um, hides some of the problems that have been growing in Toronto. Well, you, you talk a lot about that in the book about how a lot of cities, uh, other cities, the poverty is kind of in the inner city, and in Toronto, it's kind of been pushed to the to the outskirts. And you get to a point where you talk about uh, the the borders of the city versus the the actual city limits, which I found really interesting. It's not really something that I I think of too too much. I mean, I work downtown and live in East York, so it's kind of I don't know out of sight, out of mind. And I lived in in North York, right by. It's it's funny that you mentioned City Hall earlier, actually, because all I remember of City Hall, even being in Toronto, is you could skate, right? Because both North York's mm. former City Hall and Toronto City Hall, there's this skating rinks, but that's that's as far as my my civic politics. Um, really went okay well let's talk about the city before we get further into the book what are some of your favorite spots you know eat or go out or enjoy in toronto uh enjoy because i i assume i mean based on the book you went everywhere right like you were you were wandering all sorts of streets so you must have some some hidden secrets yeah this is well when you start wandering the city, you realize how big this place is. You know, it's 44 kilometers wide and people don't get a handle of that. Um, and the more I explored it, the more I realized there's all the city I don't know. The more you discover, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it would be a lifetime project to keep discovering Toronto. And one of those things is the ravine system, yeah. um, which which I'd heard of before I moved here. And I've I've gone for bike rides in them and I've, I've been walking them for years now. But in the, in the last couple of years, especially working on this book... Um, the ravines seem to take on a, like a kind of greater significance to me because they they don't really care about things like ward boundaries and downtown and suburbs and right. and all that nonsense. These kind of made up divisions between the city. They're just there and they're sort of eternal. Um, you go down them and uh, within uh, a few minutes of being on any major street corner, you can usually get to a ravine um, and find deer down there and coyotes. And, right. and it kind of runs at a different speed. And they're like these natural expressways that connect the city. So um, I hope, I wish the ravines could be kind of a, maybe we need a Drake song about ravines. <laughs> I, the, the ravines is sort of a symbol right. of Toronto uh, alongside, I don't know, the raccoons who also don't care about suburb suburb and downtown. They just traverse it yeah. uh, as, as our great garbage mongers. So I think exploring the ravines as a, uh, a, a thing um, to do in Toronto, maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll walk all of them. I don't know yeah. if that's even possible. Well, there's a lot of focus in the book uh, I found with ravines and sort of getting more connected pathways between them. I, I got the sense that you you really thought that that would really help bring people together, especially in, in the more... Um, more of the outskirts of I, I hate to use that term, but like on the outside of, of the major cities where things are, are are spread a little further apart that that you know the ravines kind of cut some people off and maybe yeah. adding pathways might might bring people together yeah that when in some of the kind of the, the political wards that I walk in 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 the book um, it's it's they're very different than downtown wards in the sense that you could walk across a downtown ward in 15 minutes or so if you're a good walk you know if you're at a quick pace whereas some of the the, the farther out ones mm-hmm. uh, from the center 
Uh, it could take an hour, maybe two hours, and they're divided by rail corridors and sometimes expressway, highway 400, 401 sometimes, um, and ravines. Um, and, and and there's some ravines, especially the ones closer to the center, that are very easy to get to. Right. Um, and, and But that's not a universal thing across Toronto. And Toronto actually, the city of Toronto has a, a ravine strategy to help fix that, oh, okay. um, to make access uh, to ravines a priority so there's better signage. Because I get people who have lived here their whole life who will because I'll start chattering about the ravines or I'll write something about it and they'll say I see the ravine from the car I go over the Don Valley how do you get down there right? right there's no there's nothing that you know there's no signs that say to the ravine right our yeah, signs yeah. our signs are directing us elsewhere um, so the city's uh, gonna hopefully work on that as long as it as long as the, it doesn't get swept under the the budgetary rug or anything like that um, but I think it's important to to make that equal across across the city because it, it's a gem I think a lot of other cities in the world don't have that proximity to nature right. city and nature right next door to each other so to make it um, accessible yeah. e equally accessible across the place I think that would do a lot for making people fall in love with the city um, and then benefits like mental health and exercise and all that sort of thing Absolutely. Um, but in the book I try to find things like the ravines and, and other things reasons to love the city reasons to fall in love with it because if you don't actually love it if you don't actually like living here yeah. or appreciate it you're not going to uh, have any motivation to make it better or, or care about it yeah, yeah. well so it, does that have something to do with why a lot of the people that you ended up walking around with were kind of new to the political system because i noticed and i, I think you, you make mention of it near the end of the book that uh a lot of a lot of the people that you conversed with in the book happened to be you know maybe had just finished their first run at some form of city politics yeah, I, I mean, when I was starting the book, I was like, how do I get a handle on, on Rob Ford's Toronto or what what this era meant? And the Rob Ford news itself had all been reported. No one needed me to kind of go through it again. So I, I, I came up with this idea to walk with uh, ended up being 12 underdog candidates who were running for council all over the city. So that was a way to geographically get around the city. Yeah. Um, and because a lot of people were new to this, new to politics, um, they were the underdogs. The, it's really hard to knock out an incumbent politician because right. they have name recognition because nobody pays attention to uh, pol city politics that all you have to do is have your name out there once in a while that, oh yeah, I know that guy. Right. Um, uh, and, and, and so the, the folks who were these underdogs, they had a great perspective on the city because they, they had all these ideas. Um, they, they, some of them were like great dreamers, optimists for the place. Like they, they were not cynical folks. Yeah. Whereas if you walk with somebody who's an entrenched politician, an elected politician, um, they're, they're trying to hold on to power. Right. So it's a very, they're, they're safer and you get a different perspective. Whereas if they're, when you're trying to knock, you know, from below, knock power out and, yeah. and change, um, you get this kind of refreshing view of it from below, a refreshing view from below. So right. it's kind of, I imagine they're not, as as sort of entrenched in party lines and all that other stuff as well so they can enact some some fairly interesting ideas do you think that the book will help get some of these people a bit more name recognition or do you like do you think that uh, you know it'll it'll make some of these names a bit more familiar maybe some and maybe to the people I, but, I, but a, a book is not like a 
less people read a book than a newspaper article. Oh, that's true. Right? And, and, uh, or, or the radio and that sort of, sort of thing. It's a, it's a smaller, slower media. Yeah. So it'll, it'll help a little bit maybe for, for some. And I don't even know if some of them are going to run again. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes a year out of your life to run for, for city government. Right. And uh, at the lower level, there's like much less money. People actually probably lose money. You know, someone was telling me the other night to run for city council. It, it costs you six months of your life and $20,000, like missed opportunities costs that sort of thing so you know it's you have to respect people who actually even if the ones you don't like politically you, know, yeah. you have to respect the the, the personal sacrifice right, that they, right. they go through for this um, so but what I hope is that the 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 ideas and that that looming that some of the looming trouble uh, the that, that dark age ahead um, seems a little more critical in in more people's minds and 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 figure and, and pressure you know politicians and, and leaders to do something about it well okay so it's, it's interesting that you mention uh kind of regardless of of what stance you take on these politicians you kind of have to respect them on some level the beginning of the book is pretty heavy uh on rob ford and sort of your your exploration of ford nation and i found that particularly interesting because uh, you keep coming back to the point that they're not the people that you make them out to be. And you even tell a story about the first time someone asked you to dance in Toronto or maybe ever. I thought that was a pretty funny, uh, pretty funny little anecdote. But it kind of proves that, you know, some a lot of these people, not even some, a lot of these people are you know, your neighbors or could very well be your neighbors and aren't just... Uh, Oh, I don't know how to put it's it. The caricature that people thought they were, right? Right, yeah. 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 How did how did you come to like what what motivated you to kind of discover more about or traverse into the heart of Ford Nation, I guess? Well, I think it was the accidental uh going to a Ford Ford Fest, what they were called, party in back in 2010. Yeah. Um when he was running for mayor the first time and he was a joke candidate. Those of us who paid attention to City Hall um knew of this councillor from you know, Ward 2 way out in the corner of upper corner of Toronto, Etobicoke, um as being this this nutty guy that says funny uh wild things and he was a joke, you know. Now he's running for mayor. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, and he and he had these Ford Fest. I think I went to the second one, and it was, uh, it was like during TIFF. This so was the early September, and it was a beautiful night. And my friend and I talked ourselves into going. It's like, uh, let's leave downtown where where all the stars are. Let's go to this party of this wild uh, kooky uh, counselor who's now running for mayor. And we, as we were walking down the street, there was it was evident that something was going on. And then there's like three thousand people in his mom's backyard. Wow, his big backyard. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and people are dancing and there's a band playing and then he gets up and gives a rousing speech and people are cheering it's like it's, it's wild and then the band plays more and people are it, it was a fun party and, yeah. and this is where I got asked to dance and no one ever asked me to dance in Toronto yeah. um, possibly in, in, in back home in Windsor uh, but that's not how Toronto works and you don't ask a stranger to dance right and, uh, uh, it, and it worked at this place right? and and the people that I was bumping into there uh, were not like the caricature of the Rob Ford the, of voters I thought they were people I grew up with in Windsor, uh, a lot of working class folks. Yeah. Um, it was it was multicultural um, and and it was complex. It, it added this level of complexity, and I realized we got to pay attention to this guy, um, and not and, and not just because he was elected mayor, but we have to pay attention to the reasons this diverse group of people felt uh, attracted to his brand of grievance politics. Well, it. I mean, I hate to draw a parallel or even bring this up, but it seems pretty poignant now with the whole uh, 
you know, U.S. politics thing. What what do you think motivates people to seemingly vote against what would be their best interest, maybe? You know, like, wh- why are the people that are, are, you know, might suffer from some forward policies willing to elect and then re-elect and then re-elect th- these people, do you think? Yeah, there's been this kind of detachment from institutions and cynicism about politicians and um, the, the the general civil society that's kind of run the place. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, there's all kinds of reasons why why people are slowly feeling alienated from that. Um, part of it is that disparity between wealthy Toronto and less wealthy. Though there are wealthy people that voted for Ford for sure, right. um, and 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 poorer people who voted for uh, the opposite of Ford. Yeah. Um, but there but there is this sense of not everyone getting to share at least in Toronto um, and then you can extrapolate that to the US you can extrapolate it to Brexit yeah it was odd writing this in the last year when I was finishing it and I'd have like the radio or TV on and Brexit news and Trump news and it was repeating almost word for word sometimes. Yeah. There was this moment where Trump said, uh, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and still get elected. Right. And Doug Ford said of Rob the year before or so, uh, or two years before, um, Rob could shoot somebody on the city hall steps and still be elected. It's like, whoa, this is like happening again. Um, so these these dynamics of feeling left out of, of the process prosperity, that kind of Canadian, Toronto, American dream right. um, is where the disconnect is. And, and it has a multitude of reasons. Uh, uh, part of it's economic um, and economic anxiety uh, and the politicians that uh, use scapegoats sometimes, as we're seeing in Canadian politics, right. um, that prey on people's uh, um, anxieties, uh, though people should have to own their anxiety, their, their crummy anxieties as well, or their crummy views of uh, other folks. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's complicated. Um, and, and you're right that the, the, the solutions that are put forth, um, it takes a long time to articulate them. You can't do it in sound bites as well. Um, and people have been burned, most importantly. Right. People have heard about great plans coming through uh, that are going to solve this problem, solve that problem. And it hasn't solved the problem on their sidewalk or on their street. It hasn't yeah. affected their daily life. And they're still struggling to pay rent and, and this and that. And so it's very easy to um, find, find uh, be, be, appeal in, in a really emotional argument that, hey, you slob like me, yeah. uh, you matter too. Right, right. Well, I guess it's sometimes Toronto especially feels like there's uh, certain lines drawn in the sand where like, you know, this is the city, this isn't the city. Or, and and uh, just before you walked in here, actually, I was reading this section about how strip malls are sort of the new hubs of culture they don't they, they may not look at like it or seem like it from the outside but that's where you're going to get uh you know these new businesses family-owned businesses that are ethnically and, and culturally diverse and and i find that really interesting because uh, you also talked about the the sort of what did you call it the jewel box that is uh vancouver and uh i mean to kind of bring this all together you there's we were talking earlier about an upswing in in sort of toronto and uh city-based merchandise we have all these these neighborhood uh you know there's like beast york shirts now and there's all all, all these like kind of uh all this paraphernalia representing these neighborhoods do you think that that kind of helps or hurts the division between toronto 
uh, or the division that is, I guess, Toronto. Yeah, I think it helps. I think it. Oh, sorry. I think it. It's not a bad thing. Okay. Um, uh, because having pride in your neighborhood and where you're from, like that's totally cool, and that doesn't necessarily lead to them being at opposition. I think right. the the opposition between downtown and suburb that's that's been something that's been um, cranked up and torqued by by people that find it politically expedient to right. to have people divided against each other but um you know being you know bendale proud in scarborough or um willowdale proud yeah uh, what part of uh, north york were you from uh so oh, uh, i originally bathurst and shepherd and then moved to uh leslie and shepherd in the um in that little area there behind the hospital yeah speaking of ravines giant ravine there and then uh oh, nice one yeah yeah and then uh young and finch okay do you still identify as like North York? Like, there's, I know there's people who still put like North York or even Willowdale yeah. or Don Mills on their uh, envelopes, like for for mailing. Well, like, so I now I, I live uh, at Woodbine and Danforth, so I guess, uh, and that's the first house that I've ever owned. The other places were that's not true actually. I owned the condo at Young and Finch, but didn't really feel like my home. This was my first actual home, so I. For, for whatever strange reason, I identify with East York more than I do. But I, I put Toronto on everything. Hmm. You know, Toronto before. I, I wouldn't write Willowdale or North York or yeah. East York on a... But I think I think that sort of thing, like being proud of North York, uh, sorry East York, which has like that weird British bulldog as a symbol, right? yeah, because yeah. it was such an old orange kind of yeah. British place when it was founded, um, is it, great it, it, because being excited about the local place that you live, yeah. Um, is good and then as you kind of as i don't know your mind's eye goes out and out when you travel far away uh and someone asks where are you from you don't say east york i don't say you know young and bluer where yeah. i live um or cabbage town where i used to live um i say toronto and even people who are like from milton or barry yeah um will will depending how far away you are right you know will say yeah i'm from toronto you know so like the aura of the place the excitement about the place that yeah. attachment to the place um works at different levels so i think it doesn't it doesn't feed any opposition other than maybe goodwill you know like right. the fun rivalries between uh you know one side of the don valley and the other and uh not going north of bloor or or, 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 yeah. or silly things like that um the, the the actual divisions i think um uh, well, well there are actual differences in in how people live because one is more car based one is more um easier to get around without a car right um so those are actual things um but they've really been preyed upon by uh by, by people that had an agenda and that that found it helpful to do that right so the, so like the i mean not the divisions but the sort of recognizing of different neighborhoods is fine so long as it's not a politically motivated uh yeah sort of butting of heads i it's interesting that you because you mentioned not going north of bluer and that's a thing that you know people will say and a new thing that i i've been hearing a lot of is like oh I, you know i don't go east of young or whatever so uh -oh. some people are, are, are saying now, which I find interesting because, you know, like I said, I've grown up in Toronto uh, my whole life, essentially. And especially living in North York and then East York, you really have to travel. I mean, there's a lot of stuff around there that you can do, but to 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 really get at the things that, that people want to do, you know, whether it is like go to concerts or, you know, meet somewhere centrally for a movie or something. You really have to not be afraid of travel. So I'm, I've never been afraid of, you know, a 45 minute, one hour TTC ride, although those weights are growing now too. But, um, and I, I find it interesting that a lot of people who move here are just kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm, I've got my, 
my central little square that I'm not going to leave. Yeah, people disappear, right? So yeah. Not everyone, but people get comfortable and it's like, oh, whatever happened to Johnny? Oh, he moved to the beaches and now he's a beaches person. He doesn't leave. Um, and, that, it, you know, that's I guess, people's, some people are have a inclination to nest. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And don't. Well, okay, so uh, I noticed uh, in the book that you talk a lot about city politics. Do you Do you think that that's the sort of biggest agent for change as far as the issues that you bring up in the book or are there is there room for other sort of uh organizations and and businesses to sort of help foster that as well because the the book itself is pretty politically um motivated or centric yeah but i think that like things and i mean i i don't want to toot our horn or anything but things like buns i find have helped bring the city together regardless of where you are in the city if you are a quote unquote bun it's kind of like this thing now yeah like your discussion boards are pretty uh rich and it's pretty uh intense sometimes yeah absolutely and and people are friendlier to one another for the most part when they find out that they're both you know someone on buns you think that uh politics is the only place that will well i mean obviously not the only but you think po politics is the is the biggest spot that will help kind of make Toronto more cohesive or do you think there are other movements or can you think of any other movements that will, that are kind of working towards this goal as well? I think other movements uh, outside of politics, those you could argue that everything's politics, right. um, but outside of city hall say, yeah. um, are incredibly important, but they also feed city hall yeah. um, and, and, and create uh, like a constituency or people that believe in something. And, and when you, we can rally people around an idea uh, for change, as far away from City Hall as you want, suddenly that becomes political and people will listen to that. Right. Whereas City Hall, when you're there, it has like the mechanism for change. And it's a remarkable place. There's that phrase, you can't fight City Hall, but actually you can. And it's the best place. to. There, you can just walk into City Hall and I bring my U of T students there and I, I tell them, uh, we are not, go I, I have not made any arrangements. I have not get, got permission to do this. We're just going to walk into your City Hall yeah. through the front doors, go up the stairs and go into City Council Chamber and watch a City Council meeting. Um, you can't do that at the provincial level you can't do that at the federal level you have right. to be invited you have to go through all these things so the accessibility to your government representatives in the city is really close and uh when you start mailing them or calling them mm -hmm. uh not yelling uh, but like you know having your opinion uh and if more people do that they start listening very quickly because uh it doesn't take very many people to kick them out of office often right um so so the, the, the making change at the city level is, is relatively easy it's also wonderful Everyone, I think, should go to City Hall during a city council meeting. When you're watching on TV, if you do cable, whatever it is, 11 or 10, um, yeah. you don't get the whole thing because you're focused on one person. It is the most incredible political theater um, because you, you hear the fights and the arguments, which are kind of great, but you also see all the things going off on the side, lobbyists chatting with people and different counselors talking with people before a vote. And I when I bring my students there, they're all kind of looking bored. Like, I, I know what they're, you know, they're like, oh, he's bringing us to the city council and it's going to be, but some of them say, they think it's going to be a big boardroom table. They're going to be sitting around it. Yeah, yeah. But it is theater, and it's it's loud, and it's boisterous. And then they perk up, and they start Snapchatting it and whatever else, yeah. and they're, they're into it. So everyone, it, it makes you... I think kind of uh, uh, energized about 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 the mechanisms of change. Maybe also embarrassed because sometimes they fight like kindergarten kids. But that's just the the, the nature of of how city council works with forty four plus the mayor, uh, independent votes, and they're, they're all kind of vying uh, for one side or the other on 
different on any given issue. Um, there's no whipped votes the way it is in parliaments. Um, so it's 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 really exciting. Um, so, but but it, it really, if it wasn't for civil society, those outside groups, uh, um, sometimes far away from politics, sometimes adjacent to politics, um, city hall would be a much lesser place um, because those feed. Uh, what the decisions what decisions are made and if if some kind of if, if buns if buns folk uh, get excited about something and get, right. get angry about something and and organize and the key part is organized organized oh um, my god yeah anything that's organized about around an issue uh, that is suddenly political and and whoever is attached to it in city hall will pay a lot of attention to anything that's organized so do you find that uh, bringing students to City Hall or, or just people visiting in general kind of changes their tune on city politics? They end up wanting to be more sort of invested in the whole thing? I hope so. I hope, I hope, um, well, it's two things. It's like showing the city why it's worth fighting for, uh, why, why these issues are really connected to actual human beings. Um, but also that there's this proximity to power that you get in the city and arguably the city affects our daily life more than other levels of government. There's this phrase, a saying that goes around that if the federal government stopped, we wouldn't notice for a month. Um, right. It's not entirely true, but it's kind of true. If the if the pro- provincial government stopped, it might take days or a week. Whereas if the municipal government, if the city government stopped, we would notice within minutes because the lights would flicker, the water would stop, the garbage would pile up, right. the potholes would get bigger, etc. The police would stop policing, the ambulances would stop. Um, so, so our daily lives are connected to city hall all the time. So I think once that connection's made and once, uh, you actually see it's kind of exciting, it's it's nerdy, but it's exciting. Um, but, and, but those nerdy issues affect things on people, people can see it on their sidewalk or in their neighborhood. So why do you think it is then that people seem to like the, uh, what would, would seemingly be in their best interest seems to be, um, so far outside of their view, you know, like people are so focused on on uh, the sort of national level as opposed to the city level. Why do you think that is? If, if all the you know majority of, of their lives will be, would be changed by what's going on in the city level. Well, the stakes are higher uh, in in some ways at the higher levels of government, right? right? Like especially federal governments. You know, like there's there's armies involved, and depending on what country you're in, there's nuclear weapons, and you know, and there's all this great mythology. So many movies about you know presidents and prime ministers and yeah. and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, not as many are at the city level. Um, so the stakes are higher at those levels, right? Um, so it's important, of course, to to pay attention to them. But that's I think where the, the attention gets sucked in because right. it's 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 these epic kind of collisions of ideology or whatever but do you think I, I would say that most people are more content to go about their day you know paying a little bit of mind maybe an hour, an hour or so a day about these like large-scale issues but you know not five seconds goes by on the TTC that someone's like oh god you know why is this taking so long or another stop or you know you're driving your car you hit a pothole and you're, you just like lose your mind it would it would stand to reason then that people w- should be focused on on city politics. But even I'm guilty of it too. Like I, I couldn't tell you the first thing about it. Really, I was back home in Windsor on the weekend, and a friend of mine is actually a city councilor there. He got elected um, one term or two terms ago. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He said he was invited to a high school, grade 11s, in Windsor, and and you know he he asked the students, you know who 
who, who's the mayor who's the prime minister and like a smattering of hands went up and like people the kids weren't into it at all and so we started asking people what is your complaints what are your complaints of the day what did you complain about today on the way here because the, the kids were saying they're not political they don't care about politics right you know and one was talking about things like a crowded transit the transit doesn't come in windsor like the buses are very infrequent yeah um and and uh my friend reno said that's politics if you got involved in politics i can figure I, i'm on the committee i know how that works i know how we can change that um and he kept going through that and asking people what their other complaints were and they all became about municipal politics largely sometimes bigger issues right. um but but it's all the, the things we complain about every day tend to be those day-to-day -day things that are municipally governed so um once you make that jump you notice politics everywhere because you you see the thing that annoys you is not just this abstract rock mountain in the middle of the road that bothers you every day that you have to walk around um it's a thing that you know you can change which yeah. actually makes it more annoying sometimes because knowing that it, it shouldn't it doesn't have to be like that um can 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 be uh, uh can be very annoying because you know it can change right whereas when you're a little apolitical it's just frustrating not anger making as much well so uh, speaking of change, I, I also found it really interesting. And I, again, I guess, you know, my own bad here, not paying enough attention to city politics. But you mentioned in the book that a lot of uh, the people that are in city politics uh, kind of it, it's almost like a, a royal family. You know, the, it's passed down generation to generation, it, the, either the daughter or the son of somebody or somebody's uncle. Why do you think it is that, uh, y you know, it's almost uh I don't even know what the, the what the word would be yeah. for it, but like, why do why do you think it is that it runs in the family, that uh, these and and not only do they get into politics, but they end up winning the same areas that their yeah. parents or you know other family members held. I mean, part of it's fine, like the family business, right? It, doctors often give birth to more doctors, right? You know, just because they watch their parents in it and they get steeped in the language of it. Mm -hmm. um, but we do have these kind of dynasties in Toronto. Um, and a lot of it sometimes has to do with name recognition. Uh, like I, said, I was talking about before, once you hear somebody's name and it's, it's lodged somewhere in the back of someone's memory, right. when it's heard again, when it's the, 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 the sibling or the, or the partner or the uh, offspring, um, suddenly it's like, yeah, I know that that's kind of safe. So it's, it's, it's an immediate way into somebody's brain, whereas a, a brand new name has to go uphill and like work to get into the brain in the first place right. because people are busy, right? Most people, they, they don't have the time to, it's actually a luxury to have time to uh, pay attention to politics because you have this leisure time and you choose to um, look at politics. Yeah. Um, most people are, are incredibly busy just kind of, you know, making, making life work, mm -hmm. um, kids and whatever else. Uh, so, so it's it's very easy not to pay attention to city politics or politics in general. I I wish people did, yeah. but I don't condemn people for not. Right, right. But that that then probably makes it so much harder for things to change because mm -hmm. if someone doesn't have that name recognition, like, what do you think is the largest contributing factor to uh, someone sort of breaking through that and being able to overtake a family that's that's held you know, city seat for, for so long. Getting new people involved, right? Who, uh, and especially younger people, like you, you always hear about politicians talking about, we got to get the young, younger people out. It's only it's certain politicians talking about that. Some people are very happy not to have young people out voting because the older folks are going to vote for them because they know them and they have this kind of history. Yeah. Um, new fresh faces on the political scene, they don't 
they don't come with the baggage of knowing uh, as much about the so everything's kind of new, right. and they would uh, I think be more inclined to um, look at the the slate of candidates and take them all sort of equally, and not say uh, Mr. Jones has been in power for twenty years. Some of them have. Um, I'm going to go with him again because it's safe. Because they don't know what Mr. Jones did. He, yeah, Mr. Jones is like Mrs. Smith. It's all the you know. It's all the same, same. to them. So. <clears throat> Uh, one last doom and gloom question and then we'll kind of move on. What do you think is the biggest problem facing the city? Biggest problem is the inequality. Uh, that looming uh, divide between the rich, the people that get to enjoy Toronto, this wonderful place that I love, uh, this kind of Sesame Street urbanism that uh, all of our spacing paraphernalia, uh, the things that people make, the little coasters uh, made out of old maps and, and everything else. Right. Um, that Toronto and the Toronto that feels alienated from that, that doesn't get to participate in that, um, that's really struggling and that that's growing very quickly. Um, and all that prosperity that uh, s some parts of Toronto enjoy, that great urbanism, the cafes, the walkability, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if, if the other side gets too big, it, it, it threatens to pull the other, the, the, you know, that, that, that part down. So mm -hmm. I think that's the threat. And things like transit uh, and everything else, housing, right. uh, affordability, that all kind of comes under that umbrella. So I know that they're talking about a basic income pilot program. Do you think that'll help with some of these issues? To be honest, I don't know. I, I haven't looked into it enough. I, it's intriguing and smart people in other places have been really behind it. Um, and you hear about it more and more now. So um, I don't know. So what other, what other uh, solutions do you think there might be for, for this uh, growing issue? Because I know that you, again, mentioned in the book that... Uh, the divide is growing, and, and while the wealthy parts of Toronto have grown a little, the uh, the poorer parts of Toronto have grown a lot. So, yeah. what can what can we do? What can I do to uh, kind of help with that? Um, I mean, apart from the revolution or whatever that would, <laughs> that would equalize everything, which I don't think is coming. Um, figuring out ways for Toronto to come become an adult. Right. I, I sometimes think of Toronto as being this teenage city, uh, which is very exciting, um, and uh, but it's all very awkward, and and you don't exactly know where it's gonna where it's gonna go. Uh, but it has to sort of own its own uh, destiny. And I think we in Toronto, we, if I may speak for everyone, we have these kind of dreams of this great city that we want to become. But when it yeah. actually comes to paying for it, right. um, it becomes a very cheap city, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to. Uh, the, the city we dream of is constantly being undermined by the city that we want to pay for. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because you talked about Sugar Beach, and I, that was one of my favorite sections of the book, actually, when you talked about how uh, they're sort of, I mean, there's a large cost involved in transforming the waterfront, but there's also uh, a lot of sort of unseen benefits that, you know, may not be apparent immediately. But uh, yeah, people like Cherry Beach, sorry, Sugar Beach is an incredible, is really expensive, but it's really well done. It almost, when you're there, it doesn't feel like Toronto because it's right. it's like, wow, this is like European level quality, um, yeah. you know, like in the public realm. We, tend, we, we have not had the history of investing in our public realm the way, you know, the, the way beautiful European cities do. Yeah. Um, but so when Cherry, Sugar Beach was being created, uh, some of the more parsimonious, cheap, uh, 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 counselors uh, complained about it. Uh, one of them even held a sign in front of uh, the washrooms saying how many 
hundreds of thousands of dollars they cost. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was mocked on social media because people never hold up a sign to a camera because people will write in their own thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you'll be mocked incessantly for years. Um, but uh, people love Sugar Beach. When they go there, they're proud of it. They feel good about it. They love the view of the city behind it. Right. And the thing is a selfie machine uh, and an Instagram machine. Um, and, and the... I wonder if an econo economist could put a dollar value on the the amount of publicity uh, sent out into the world from everyone's telephone uh, yeah. uh, by by having this beautiful place that they photograph. If if you were to have to pay for that publicity in the traditional you know newspapers, ads, and and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. probably would be um, unaffordable. Right. Um, but so, yeah, absolutely. But that's but that's an intangible benefit that you see longer term. Right. It's not a, it's not a return on the investment right away. Yeah. Uh, and it's not even a, a traditional kind of investment where you get the money back. Right. The investment into a city comes back in, in different ways. Quality of life, uh, which uh, leads to more investment. But that's right. down way down the road. So yeah, right. the idea when you hear these things like the city should be run like a business. Um, no, it, it's inherently not like a business. It's not how cities work. There's humans involved yeah. um, and humans with all these different views. And it's a democracy and you have to take all these things into account. Okay. So <clears throat> I know that you mentioned the ravines earlier, but uh, on your trek through the city and it, what a trek it was, because there are some places that you mentioned that even living here my whole life, I was like, oh, I've never been there. Uh, what sort of hidden gems can you give me? Places that, you know, I got to go try the food or see the sights or whatever it is in a more sort of uh, urban setting. Because yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, I love visiting ravines. I, I take my dog into Taylor Creek on a regular basis, but uh, I also kind of love discovering new uh yeah, you know, li hidden little pockets, places like at, you know, at one point Burgers Priest was like a, before it spread across the city, was a destination in the East End that people would go to because it was you know there were rumors of a hidden menu and and delicious burgers that you yeah. couldn't get anywhere else. What what sort of things did you encounter on your on your trek across the city? Well, you mentioned it before the uh, the strip malls are kind of these wonderful places. Yeah. When you go to a city and you go for a walk down the main street, uh, it's that excitement of not knowing what's next right and it's this discovery um when you walk downtown you kind of know what's going to come right the 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 burger places start to look the same yeah and the tim hortons and the starbucks's and the every all the other chains kind of repeat after a while it's almost like in um you know the old scooby-doos where they would cheap out on the backgrounds when they're running so the yeah, background yeah. would repeat that's kind of what it is like downtown whereas out in the suburbs the farther from downtown uh where rents are cheaper most importantly yeah. where mom and pop uh for lack of a better word shops can open because the overhead's low that's where you get this variety this unexpected variety um and you can walk through one so often um there's there tend to be themes to the ethnic themes to different strip malls just because the the area around it was kind of settled by different ethnicities yeah um but still there's this mix that unexpected mix of what uh might be in a strip mall in some strip malls you go around the world yeah. uh with the different restaurants that are all side by side from like um you know like old school waspy you know 
bars, um, Irish bars or uh, British bars to um, every kind of wave of new Canadian that's kind of come along. Um, we love downtown uh, Kensington Market. Yeah. Um, but there's hundreds of Kensington Markets around Toronto, but they're in the form of a strip mall. So it doesn't have the kind of uh, cozy, you know, street, narrow streets and and um uh people doing fire sticks and whatever else and and selling weed on the corner um that's kind of typical in kensington but it uh they're they're stretched out they're linear there's cars parked in front of it but it's the same kind of exciting deal and if you if you just kind of are hungry you just wander the city and you stop in places and you pull you just eat there's a good samosa i'm going to eat that it costs 25 cents for one samosa how yeah. is that possible i don't know the economics of this uh but they seem to be doing okay and you can keep walking so that's how uh wandering scarborough or north york or tobacco is sometimes for me do any intersections come to mind i want to i want to go and report back because you're making me very hungry go to um in, in Eglinton uh, in Scarborough. So you can take the subway to Kennedy Station mm-hmm. um, and start walking east. And within about three or four blocks, they're long blocks because yeah. it's, it's the suburbs, um, you get to this line of strip malls that um, go for a couple kilometers that's really rich right. uh, with, with a variety of stuff. Uh, up in north Etobicoke in Rexdale, I think it's the Albion Road and Islington. Uh, and I think there's strip malls on all four corners, I think, or maybe it's three corners. Uh, and incredible array of South Asian uh, restaurants and shops there. Um, Young Street, uh, go to Finch Station, go to the end of the line and start walking north. Yeah. Well, you can walk south. You can walk from Shepherd Station to Finch uh, and you go through uh, kind of the second little Korea. Uh, you know, there's the Korea town down on Bloor, yeah. but up in North York, North York City Center, it's become sort of a second little Korea with, with karaoke bars that go 24 hours. Little um, shisha, some uh, Korean yeah. barbecue. And then you go far north of Finch towards the ed- edge of the city, towards Richmond Hill, and you go through uh, a relatively new, uh, probably in the last 10 years, really become demonstrative on the streets, um, uh, Persian neighborhood. Yeah. Right? And like strip yeah. malls full of uh, Persian groceries and takeout places. And it's... it's. Uh, and if you want to go amazing. bowling, there's a bowling alley down there too. A That's, real bowling alley. Talking about my hood now. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Or my former hood, I guess. Uh, okay. So if you guys want to know more about Toronto, the book is Frontier City, Toronto on the Verge of Greatness. What is next for... For you, um, resting a bit, uh, happily not writing a book. <laughs> uh, this thing took two and a half years, um, but I think I, w- I want to write possibly a book about Canadian cities. Yeah. Um, th- the more I explore Toronto, I'm exploring other Canadian cities. I'm from another Canadian city, right. and I wonder. Um, all our cities are kind of great in their different ways. We, uh, well, uh, Windsor. Windsor has had an economy that's the a roller coaster, just like Detroit. You know, my mom worked at General Motors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the factory that she worked at has been flattened. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it had its bad times, and we'll have boom and bust and everything. But the city's still intact. Uh, people still live downtown. Uh, not as many as should. There's still shops that are closed. But the city is intact. Um, it hasn't become a wasteland the way so many um, uh, American cities have. And right. not, not to pick on American cities, but there's been this kind of devastation in so many inner cities. But that's never happened. in. Tr- tr- I can't think of a Canadian city where that's happened. We might have a couple bad pockets. So... Maybe there's something, some a Canadian value uh, is actually our cities, our, 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 our urbanity. Um, 80% of us 
Canadians live in cities, give or take. Uh, arguably, some are uh, almost uh, far suburbs, some are downtown, but I still think it's the city. It's not the idea of Canada that we've often received of the wilderness and the mountains and the prairies and all that, which are all nice, good things. Right. Uh, but that's not the day-to-day life of most Canadians. It's yeah. a city. So I think... Exploring that, seeing what it is about Canadian cities that we do right. Maybe there's something to share with the world. And just celebrating the fact that we live in these great cities and and walking through them, you know, from St. John's uh, to Victoria and figuring out a way to, um, I don't know, highlight some common threads. I wonder, you talked about Toronto being a divided city. Canada's, a, you know, this country... Uh, plagued by regionalism, East versus West, and, and yeah, that sort of yeah. thing. What if we all saw ourselves as urban people? We are all city dwellers. Suddenly, the issues in Calgary are the same as in Toronto, as the same as in Halifax, and we would have this kind of common cause. So that's the utopian thing. The other the side of it is I just, I just think these are fun cities to talk about, and there's something worth exploring. I love it. Well, I hope that uh, after you take your much-needed rest and Right, whatever next book it is, you'll come back and talk to me about it. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot for joining. Music is provided by Silver Lining. The song is called Rainy Love, and it features Jill Harris, the Low and Slow edition. If you guys want to check it out, go to soundcloud.com slash silver dash lining dash IX. Again, that's soundcloud.com slash silver dash lining dash IX. The song is called Rainy Love. Here we go. It's raining All I want to do Is hold you in my arms And when it's cold out Cold out Cold out All I want to do Is run to you Cars outside Whispering rain Tired through the bottle On my way Rivers in the gutter But it's all the same I want you Gonna open up my heart, give you my love, take all of me. You're my everything. If you just let me be, all I really want is you to be my baby, my baby. All I really want is for you to be my man. All I really want is for you to be my baby, my lady. All I really want is for you to understand I will never let you go You're my baby, you're my angel And I'll always love you Rainy love Rainy love Rainy love Gotta make you mine 
everything you deserve You're a queen in my eyes I wanna take you home tonight The car's outside, whispering rain Tied through the puddle, on my way Rivers in the gutter, but it's all same I'm watching, yeah Gonna open up my heart Give you my love, take all of me You're my everything If you just let me be All I really want is you to be My baby, my lady All I really want is for you to be my man All I really want is for you to be my baby, my lady All I really want is for you to understand I will never let you go You're my baby, you're my angel And I'll always love you Let me be.